Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, episode 29. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business, uh, no Stacey tonight, but we have Alex and we have Beck. And guys, you know, we, we're starting to move our way through the NFL season. So we have one eye on, I guess, the end of the season. But also we're starting to look at college football to sort of see, you know, who are the prospects? You know, who should we be getting excited about coming into next year? Uh, Beck, I'm going to throw it to you. The question uh, off the top is, yeah, you, your rookie college uh, player that you've got an eye on at the moment. Yeah, talk to us about your selection here. Uh, I don't have one particular player that I'm looking at, but more a positional kind of aspect. And it's the quarterbacks. I feel like, you know, we're so used to seeing five or six potential first round pick quarterbacks coming out that are looking like they are going to be number one. It's competitive. Um, You know, we're seeing some crazy athletes out there, but this year I think there's a bit of lack, lack of, quarterbacks being you know coming into the draft this year I mean there's a couple that have showed potential but then they've had a couple of off games and haven't really shown that consistency that they can compete in the NFL so I think this quarterback class is going to be one to keep an eye on coming out into the draft yeah definitely no you're right we've been spoiled you know sort of you know each year we saw you know we're seeing at least four you know quarterbacks coming in and starring you know whereas this year you're kind of looking at prospects as more sort of developmental, sort of you know, second and third round. But one thing I can guarantee is that uh, those players will not go in the second or third round, even if they should, uh, because they are the quarterbacks. So it'll be interesting and to see who takes the risk. Need quarterbacks, like teams need them. So whether they're the best, you know, offered out there, they've got to take it because it's what they need to grow. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, one player that I, I guess there's no hesitation on this player, he'll probably go number one, is Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end uh, out of Oregon. This guy is something, you know, you, you can you can quickly see it in terms of players flashing on film, and he is something special. Um, already this season, six sacks, two forced fumbles, uh, and, yeah, in terms of Oregon, they're having a great season. They're fourth on the, co- uh, on the college football rankings at the moment. Um, yeah, a truly special player. And, again, it's going to be a very interesting draft because – you know, this guy at the moment, he's the out-and-out number one pick. You know, you don't typically see that in, in terms of a defensive end. So, you know, will someone pass up a, a quarterback or, you know, one of your more flashier players? But for me, he is, um, yeah, he's out-and-out one to watch. Uh, Alex, uh, we know how much you love college football. There is a lot of talent in the 2022 class. It's just not not with quarterbacks. No, it's not. I definitely think it's – this is a class for receivers. If you want – um, players are going to go get you the ball and catch and, and catch for you and, and be that receiver two or those backup receivers that will go on and make those plays. Or even receiver one, depending on the team you are. I think this is the draft class to get those receivers. Now, for me, you know, I've got a soft spot for my Ohio State boys. However, while we've got some two big names that kind of sit in top twenty as far as receivers go in college right now, I would love to see Chris Olave go to Chicago, be back with Justin Fields, and have a little bit like. 
you know, Burroughs and Jamar Chase kind of relationship, right? Like you've got that LSU relationship. I'd love to see that Ohio State relationship come to Chicago. So for me, it'd be Chris Olave. I don't want to put too much pressure on him because I don't want him to go that high because the Bears are not a first-round pick. But Chris Olave, he's got 708 yards right now, 11 touchdowns, and he's averaging 13.9 yards and a, a catch, right? So that's a first down every time he's catching the ball. And this guy, he puts up the plays when he needs to. So Chris Olave, I know you listen to this. Just don't be too good because I want you to sit in the second draft and Matt Nagy and Bears front office. Go get Chris Olave so we can be back with Justin Fields, please. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, and this week in the huddle, we're going to be focusing in on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Beck, I'm going to throw it to you uh, to start with. Ben Roethlisberger, he has had a Hall of Fame career. He's done some remarkable things, won Super Bowls. But at the age of 51, uh, you know, it's, it's becoming a little bit challenging. He continues to play, but um, definitely his best years are behind him. But, you know, it, it definitely puts a franchise in a bit of a tricky spot because, um, you know, this is a quality football team, but, yeah, just, just not quite getting the production out of their uh, veteran quarterback. Yeah, it's a little bit sad to see because you kind of don't want veteran players to go out on a bad season when they've had such a highlighted career. And, you know, he is Big Ben and he's got that name for a reason because he doesn't go down easy. He's, you know, he's the he's the life of that or has been the life of that offense for so many years. But this year has just not been his year. I think his body is starting to catch up with him a little bit. Um, He's probably trying to do things he can't do anymore. And this offense is suffering because of it, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and Alex, you know, obviously mentally, you know, he can still, uh, you know, play at the highest level. But, you know, you're just seeing things like, you know, you've got you do have star receivers, which we'll talk a lot about, but, you know, Big Ben, he's always just struggled for touch. You know, he's always, uh, it, it's uh, it, it's definitely an awkward uh, throwing action that he's got. Uh, I guess he's he's been productive throughout his, throughout his year, but definitely um, struggling in recent times. But let's talk about, um, you know, some of the weapons that he has there on offense because, um, you know, obviously, you know, he's got some players there that can certainly uh, produce. Definitely. But just before we go into those players, I don't think we can talk about Pittsburgh Steelers without talking about Mike Tomlin, right? So this is a coach who is absolutely phenomenal, right? Mike Tomlin became the youngest head coach in NFL history to both coach in and win a Super Bowl within like his first four years of Pittsburgh. So this is a like Hall of Fame coach, like who's just he's been 14 seasons with Pittsburgh and he just he just goes to bat for his players. And like you can just tell the players that play under Mike Tomlin, like they're there to play for Mike Tomlin and he's got an impressive record. He's led Pittsburgh to seven AFC North titles most recently in 2020 has guided the Steelers to playoffs nine times, including two trips to the Super Bowl. And that's in like 14 years. Like that's an impressive stat. So yeah, I got to talk to my, you know, props to Mike Tomlin for, for this Pittsburgh team. Um, but yeah, those, those players that Pittsburgh has kind of on offense, right. I, I got to point out Najee Harris right now. I think he, he's kind of like their standout right now. For Pittsburgh, um, he's doing his job as a rookie. He's coming in. He's getting those yards. Um, he's first in rookie rushing yards, which makes sense. I think he's got like five touchdowns in the last six games, rushing touchdowns. Um, so 
he's been good for them. I just their receiver core for me just isn't hasn't been great this past year. Yeah, no, it's it, it, they're definitely an interesting offense. And Beck, you know, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, uh, as we know, he became a bit of a free, you know, free agent and made a decision to. Stay in Pittsburgh, Beck what, Beck. what was he thinking? You know, in terms of he could have gone to any team and decided to stay. He knew Big Ben was staying, and obviously the quarterback situation is a little bit unknown moving into the future. We'll talk about that more in a second. But what, what's Juju thinking? I mean, he obviously has a really good relationship with you know Big Ben and you know Mike Tomlin as a head coach. It's hard to leave a franchise that you have such good connections with. And when you are, you know, trying to earn that really big contract, um, do you either choose, you know, staying in a consistent offense with a team that you know well or getting a big contract to go and play for a pretty average offense because you will become the star of that offense? Like do you take winning over money? But unfortunately neither of those panned out for him this year. So, yeah, I I have no idea what he was thinking when he made that decision, but he obviously thought, you know, the season was going to go a little bit different with Big Ben. Definitely. I mean, we've got to talk about Chase Claypool, right, because he's been a standout receiver for Pittsburgh, right, along with Juju Smith. You know, he's got 433 yards out of 29 receptions, and he averages 14.9 on a catch, and he's got one touchdown. So I think what's disappointing with some of these receivers is they haven't been consistent, and I think that comes down to Big Ben has been consistent, right? When your quarterback's not consistent as a receiver, you can't be consistent because you're either getting shorter throws or you're getting overthrown or that type of thing. So I, I really like – I like uh, Chase Claypool, and I think he makes a huge difference to the offense when he's on the field. Um, You also got to mention that the third Watt brother also plays offense for Pittsburgh Steelers, right? So you've got two Watt brothers on this team in Derek and and TJ. So Pittsburgh obviously likes their Watt brothers. You got, you know, Derek as as a fullback and um, TJ as a beast, beast defensive player. Absolutely. And I I guess we've touched on, uh, you know, some of the challenges there at quarterback. Alex, let's quickly solve it. Uh, Talk to us about what this quarterback situation is going to look like in season 2022. Let's talk through um, some of the backups that are there at the moment. Uh, Obviously, we've got Mason uh, showing his skills or lack thereof at the moment. And then we've got Dwayne Haskins, who has arrived uh, in dramatic circumstances from Washington. Yeah, talk to us about 2022 and um, yeah, your predictions there for the quarterback room. Look, I mean, there's been murmurs, and we saw when Green Bay played the Steelers, you know, that little flirt between Mike Tomlin and Aaron Rodgers, right, a little, little eye connection they got, a little spark. Um, I I don't see Aaron Rodgers going to Pittsburgh. I could see it happening, but I just don't – I don't know. I would be surprised if he did. I don't see it happening. I could see him maybe going somewhere like San Francisco or somewhere like that. Um, but I really like Dwayne Haskins. As a quarterback, I think him working under Mike Tomlin is kind of the environment that, you know, he needs to be in, you know, a coach that kind of trusts and has faith in their quarterback. And he did well in the preseason. Like he played in uh, as quarterback in a couple of their preseason games. He had a great year at Ohio State. And I think it's done well for him to kind of sit back and learn. So I'd like to see him get maybe a chance to to play kind of moving forward and him be maybe the second string, second string quarterback. He's not going to get the first for a starting role like he's just he's just not unfortunately but um yeah I, I'd love to see him get that second because I think he has he's a very smart footballer and he has a lot of potential 
could we potentially see this offense go in a different direction and Mike Tomlin pick up one of those uh, running, passing kind of quarterbacks and completely flip this offense over? Because we're so used to seeing, you know, Ben sit in the pocket and launch the ball. You know, we might, you know, a lot of the players are coming out of college now being used to having a quarterback that is mobile and moving. Would it benefit this offense to have, you know, a quarterback like that? I don't know. I just don't see Pittsburgh. Like, you know, when you just, it's kind of like when you see the Saints and, you know, you see Brady and his teams, right? Like Brady's a pocket passer and you can't imagine, you can't imagine New England have a running quarterback, right? Um, And I think that's the same for Pittsburgh. Like, I just can't imagine Pittsburgh having a mobile quarterback. It's just not something that I could see happening for them. It's not something that I think Mike Tomlin has in his repertoire I think they like to utilize their running backs as running backs and their quarterbacks as as passers so interesting concept could it happen yes do I think the league's learning how to defend those quarterbacks yes so I think having a pocket passer probably is more maybe more of an advantage advantage kind of moving down the line but definitely kind of could be interesting to see if Pittsburgh moves in that direction yeah, I mean, when you have a running back like Najee Harris, you don't really need a running quarterback, to be honest. But like you said, you need that consistency for the receivers as well. Yeah. The, the one thing I would say on Najee, though, is they're going to burn him out, though. You know, and, and Pittsburgh do that. They burn through their running backs. So I uh, would like to see that change. But Dwayne Haskins, he is Big Ben. He's a pocket passer, can hardly move. So uh, to Alex's point, they certainly love that uh that, that type of quarterback there in Pittsburgh. Um, all right, guys, well, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball, uh, the defensive side. And, uh, Alex, we, we don't have enough time. We, we'd basically be reading every player on the defensive side of the ball in terms of stars. But, um, you know, I, I guess this is their brand. You know, this is how they play football. They're very, they're very physical. Um, but, yeah, there's certainly a lot of talent on that, on that side of the football. Yeah, when you think Pittsburgh, you think defense because their defense has just – held them together and the way they draft too I think apart from kind of like Najee Harris and like this past draft they've always kind of gone defensively I could be wrong I don't know but I think they've they've always just kind of bolstered that defense and I mean TJ Watt leads that defense right like he is second in the league in sacks 11.5 and their 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 defense is just so strong across the board like their front front seven like they're a tough defense to run against because they stack the box with so many players because they're just going to bust through any offensive line. But I mean, and then you look at their secondary and it's just as good. Like they, they don't give up many yards. So I just, this defense for Pittsburgh, I think is what keeps them in games. Um, I think they've had some kind of injuries kind of over the last couple of weeks. So it'd be interesting to see how those defensive plays work with them I think this is this is definitely where they bolster their team because this is where they have the most most as far as their depth depth chart goes right in their offense they've got probably like two people in each position with their defense they've got like three or four so clearly this is something that they like to pack and it's definitely something that they take pride in yeah, and uh, back to Alex's point that there's not a there's not a scheme, there's not an offense that this defense can't handle, you know, because they, they're just so well balanced. And you know, one of the things that we'll, we'll pick up and talk about is you know a bit of a, a smart move they made in the secondary. You know, going out and trading for Minka Fitzpatrick from Miami Dolphins that was quite bold, and that that's not really Pittsburgh style. So I, I guess the question I've got for you: if we look at the compensation, there was a first round pick, a fifth round pick, and a sixth round pick. So that, that's an that's an expensive purchase. But yeah, talk to us about the Minka. 
Minka trade, you know, your thoughts on it, whether it was worthwhile. Very unstealers like, but um, just goes to show they are serious about playing defensive uh, football. Yeah, it is very unusual for them to go out and get after a player and to give up, well, not give up, but trade off so many draft picks, which I think they would normally use to build around their team. They like to start young. They like to build up on this defense and keep them strong and last long. But to go out and get Minka Fitzpatrick, I mean, he's a great player and he's fitted into this defense so well. Like who else could you have put in that position when you think about, do you wait for, you know, someone to come up in the draft or do you get out and go who you want, go and get who you want and who you know is going to fit in. And so I think that was kind of the idea behind this, this trade. And I think it's, it's, it's paid off for Steelers. Like it was like kind of like the final um, icing on the cake for that defense. Yeah. It had, had a bit of a LA Rams, Sean McVay uh, touch to it where it's like, you know, we can go out and take a risk and train and develop a, you know, a kid to play in the secondary, or we can go and get Minka who, uh, who appears to be the guy and is certainly playing some good football there. All right, guys, uh, time to come up with our predictions uh, in terms of the record. Uh, a little bit challenging because Pittsburgh, you know, they, they haven't had, uh, I guess, the best season. They're currently sitting at five and three, uh, had a bit of a COVID situation with Big Ben. Uh, Alex, what's your thoughts on this one in terms of a record? Um, I, guess I, I don't see them having a losing season just because I don't think Mike Tomlin would ever allow that to happen. <laughs> um. Um, so for me, I I see them probably going nine and eight. I just think consistency is there, like, is a tough one for them. Big Ben's got to be consistent. Their wide receivers have to be consistent and they've got to take a little bit of pressure off Najee Harris Um, and a little bit of pressure off the defense too, because if if their defense constantly carrying the games, like as we're going to see, as you've seen last couple of weeks with TJ Watt going down with a hip and a knee injury, right? You don't want to lose those big defensive players because they're the ones keeping you in the game. So I think they've got to relieve a little bit of pressure on the defense, a little bit of pressure off Najee Harris and kind of use Chase Claypool more and get that second wide receiver in there as well. So for me, I see them going nine and eight because I, I don't see them having an easy finish this season. Yeah, I agree, Alex. I, I think there's plenty of losses ahead for Pittsburgh. I, I've got them at the same record, nine and eight. And and I think part of it is is because of Big Ben. You know, it's not a situation where you can bench him you know, you've got to let him uh, play out his final season there, given everything he's done for the franchise. But, you know, what that means is you're certainly going to lose um, some games there. So I agree, 9-8 and eight for Pittsburgh. Uh, Beck, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page as all of you guys. I think if there was a different quarterback sitting in the pocket, there'd be a different look at the second half of this season. Um, but in terms of how their season's gone so far, I don't see them, you know, turning it around and ending this season really strongly. Um, don't forget they've already had a draw in this season. So I'm going to say they've gone, they're going to go eight, eight, and that one draw. All right, guys, let's jump through to our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Alex, I'm going to throw this straight to you because, you know, this is a, in terms of the match tonight, this is a position group that you're very passionate about given all things that are happening in Chicago. We talk about the offensive line. We talk about offensive tackles. And tonight in the match, we see David Bakhtiari coming up against Ryan uh, Ramchek. Let's start with let's start with David uh, there in Green Bay. Talk us uh, talk talk to us a little bit about David, and again the importance of having uh, a player like him on that offensive line. Yeah, this is a guy that's kind of put Green Bay's O line on the map, if you will. 
Like he's just always been one of those just like consistent guys for Green Bay on their O line. Like he he's six four, he's three hundred and ten pounds. Like he's a tough guy to get through, right? But he's also kind of been part of that solid, solid Green Bay O line, right? He went to his third career Pro Bowl last season. He started 118 regular season games. He's helped the Packers rank number three in the NFL in yards per carry and number four in scoring since 2013. Um, so, yeah, he's he's been good for the Packers for sure. And he's definitely – I think you've seen – he's been out injured, right, with an ACL he did in December. You've seen kind of more pressure hit Aaron Rodgers with him being out because they just don't have that experience in that left tackle position. So I think he's – He's someone that I think Aaron Rodgers is going to sit there and go, thank God that you're coming back, buddy, because that like blind side, I think for Aaron Rodgers can be a struggle, especially when, when it's being pressured and he has to move out of the pocket because Aaron Rodgers doesn't like to run, right? We see it. He kind of doesn't really want to run until the guy's like really right there. Um, so I think he's going to, he's going to like having David back and David's been the face of that, that Green Bay offense for years now. Uh, and Beck, you know, it would be a little bit of a non-contest uh, tonight because David, you know, he, he's probably if not the, you know, probably, you know, in, in the top couple of, uh, of of left tackles, an outstanding offensive lineman. But uh, as we know, uh, suffered the ACL injury uh, in that December practice. And, uh, you know, obviously that, that's quite devastating and still trying to find his way back. Beck, talk to us about this because, you know, when, when you think about ACL injuries in the modern game, they talked about as if it's a sprain or, or a bit of a hamstring injury. David Bakhtiari, six foot four. 310 pounds, 140 kilos, trying to come back from an ACL injury, trying to get into his stance, obviously perfect his technique there at left tackle. It's very, very difficult, but uh, I guess if anyone can come back, it's David. Yeah, I mean, speaking of experience, I've had four ACL reconstructions, so it's definitely not you know, an easy rehab. You have to be patient. You have to take your time. You have to do the rehab. You know, you can't force it and you can't push it. So, and especially being at his size and the position that he plays, he's constantly in a squat position. That's, it's not easy on the knees. It's, it's, yeah, it's definitely a tough one, but, um, and also, you know, it's his ninth season in the year. He's not getting any younger and to do, such a major injury towards the back end of your career. It's it's going to take a major effort to come back from it. But like you said, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be David. Yeah, he, he'll be able to bounce back. And I think, you know, yes, it's probably hard to come back from, from an ACL, especially when you've got to get out from that stance so quickly. Like there's probably so much pressure to, to get up as fast as you can to make sure you've got that block. I mean, he, he helped the Packers rank tied for second in NFL and sacks allowed, right? So that O-line only allowed 21 sacks, fourth fewest in Packers in a 16-game season, part of a line that allowed one sack or zero sacks in the league's best 13 game, tied for most in their history since 2004. So, like, he's a big part of that O-line. So hopefully – and I like that they're kind of, like, easing him back in. They're not just, like, throwing him in, being like, you're good, let's go, like, we need you in there, right? They're kind of, like, they see the potential for him. They see his kind of, like – how important he is to that O-line, especially for Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I think it, it's nice to see them take their time with him and not kind of rush him back because I think that's going to be a huge benefit for him kind of moving forward. You know what also I find really interesting about David is he was a fourth-round pick. 
Like, you know, a guy playing in, in his position at that skill level, I mean, left tackle is the hardest position to play on that O-line. And for him to go in the fourth round pick and then stay in that position on that team for the next nine years, I think is a little bit underrated in, in the draft. He probably should have went a little bit higher. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And for those that sort of tune out after the first night of uh, you know that first round of the draft, stick stick with it. You know, the, I know it, uh, it gets a little bit tiring the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, but uh, you can definitely find uh, some yeah some some unbelievable talent there. Uh, speaking of that, let, let's uh, turn our attention now to his competitor, uh, Ryan Ramchek, who plays for the New Orleans Saints. Um, Alex, I'm going to throw it to you because you know we, we spoke about David's physicality. Uh, well, Ryan, he's he's just he's there. You know, six foot six as well. Uh, he's 314 pounds, 142 kilos. Uh, first round uh, pick out of Wisconsin in in 2017. Yeah, talk to us about Ryan, another highly talented player. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that David didn't go in the first round, as Beck said, he went round four, but it's, I think you, I think teams have started to see the importance of getting these like good O-line players in the first round. And you see that with Ryan and the Saints have gone out and they've paid him. Like he just signed a five-year, $96 million contract extension, right? So the Saints obviously see him, like they see the caliber of and talent that he brings to that O-line for the Saints. I mean, since ending the NFL in 2017, the Saints have allowed the fewest sacks, 65, right, total in the league since he's come in, right? And that's not, like, that's not many, like, when you think of it, it's only 2017. That was only, what, like, four four years ago, five years ago? So it's, he, he's been able to do quite a lot or protect, <laughs> I guess, um, uh, against quite a lot of teams for a while. So it's good to kind of see him get the money that I think he's owed and he's he's dude. And I think teams are starting to see the importance of paying the guys like David, like Ryan, the big money, because eventually like you need that experience to take the quarterbacks. Otherwise you're going to be getting guys rushing on through. And if you've got no one to protect the guy behind throwing the ball, then you're going to be out of quarterback. Yeah, but Alex, it, it's um, it's historic money, isn't it? Because he's not playing blindside. He's, he's right tackle. So it is just unbelievable. So I wonder, you know, what's Sean Payton sort of cooking up there? Could we see uh, a little bit of a sneaky trade for Tua Tungvaloa, the left-handed, you know, the left-handed quarterback? Uh, he finds his way to New Orleans and he gets a little bit of value out of his out of his right tackle there. But um, no, that that's that's certainly some some serious money. But Beck, you know, one thing that uh, one thing that the Saints have been known for is being able to protect. You know, obviously they had Drew there for uh, quite a number of years, and he's a guy that you just you know. And I guess this is a rule for for every franchise. You just cannot afford to take a hit on your quarterback. Um, and yeah, the Saints have certainly made sure that they've locked up. I guess their next generation of quarterbacks coming through there in New Orleans. Yeah, they've definitely built the O-line. They're just going to get the quarterback now (laughs) because we do see around the league so often, you know, these O-line not protecting and not, you know, not well, the teams or the owners and um, coaches not putting the time and the money into their O-line and it really affecting their offense and their quarterbacks and then you get injuries and your season isn't it panning out to the way that you plan. So, yeah, for New Orleans Saints, Saints to go out and put some money onto their O line. It's it's good to see, and I think a lot more teams need to start focusing a little bit more on that in order to build offenses and be successful. He's also the only second Saints tackle to be named to an AP All Pro Bowl twice, 
right? So this guy, he's getting some recognition and has been getting recognition, right? He started off 47 games in the last, in his first three seasons. So obviously, you know, he came out of college with some, some talent and utilize it. Like one thing you got to be worried about, especially with a young guy coming into that position is being able to do his job. Right. And Ryan's obviously been able to do that. And yeah, I mean, to be able to put up stats and be pro bowl, you know, your first couple seasons and get selected on more than one occasion for kind of positions that go kind of maybe sometimes ignored by maybe franchises. And when we're talking about stats, right, because you don't really, there's not many stats to go off. You're going off their ability to protect their quarterback. Right. So, I I mean, he was blocking for a unit that was tied for third in the NFL in both points per game and fewest sacks surrendered. So the saints have obviously done something well with their all line there and keeping Ryan and paying in the money. And I feel like O-line have a pretty long jeopardy in terms of their career, and he's in his fifth year. So he's in the prime of his career. He's playing his best football and has, you know, another five or six years potentially to keep playing like this. So we're about to see some really great things on this uh, Saints O-line. Yeah, and speaking of that, Beck, it's uh, time to pick a winner here in the match. Uh, yeah, another another tricky one. Where are you going here? This is a tricky one because you have the veteran player who's, you know, showed us what an O-line should look like and at the hardest position, like you said, a left tackle, the blind side. It's highly underrated how hard it is to protect the backside of a quarterback. And David does such a great job at that. But then you have this younger kind of prodigy guy come in and playing on the right side and doing everything you want an O-line to do. So it's uh, it's tough, but I'm, I'm going to go with David because I just think that uh, he's he's carried this O-line and, you know, when a player can, you know, when he's missing and you notice that he's missing, you know that he's a really key player on that O-line and that's David. Yeah, look, for me, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Ryan. Uh, I just think, you know, with David, you know, he's, he's been an out-and-out star, but coming off that ACL is a little bit of a concern. I'm also projecting out to next season where he's probably going to be protecting Jordan Love and uh, he is going to be made to work uh, for every uh, for every dollar uh, there in Green Bay. And, yeah, Ryan, um, yeah, coming through with, in, in Wisconsin, they, they, that, that is a remarkable college football program there. They continue to uh, generate quite a quite a large uh, production line of, uh, of quality players there. So Ryan, for me, Alex, uh, thoughts on this one? Yeah, for me, I got to go with Ryan. Just, you know, you look at his stats. In his opener in 2019, he blocked for an offense that gained 510 yards against Seattle. You know, against Tampa, they blocked for an offense that gained 457 yards and didn't surrender a sack. Like, he's he's playing on all line that, that's pretty impressive, and they're definitely paying the money. And I think he's kind of that next generation after David coming in. So it's kind of young. It's nice to see these younger guys get drafted higher, get the money that I feel like they're owed. So for me, I got to go with Ryan. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. This week on Rapid Fire, we're going to be talking about, well... Uh, what we're always what we always talk about here at Mojo Sports Beck is that there are three phases of football. There's offense and there's defense, and then there's this other side of the football team, uh, special teams that certainly doesn't get talked about. So, uh, my question for you this week is: Which team in the NFL has the best special teams? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we talk, we don't talk about special teams often, but when we do, we're always talking about the highlights and how well they're doing, and how you know special teams can make or break a game and 
Uh, I think the Baltimore Ravens have have invested in their kicker in terms of being one of the best special teams because without him, I don't think they would have much on special teams or on offense or points on the board, to be honest. I think he's a, yeah, Justin Tucker is carrying this team through the league this year. And, you know, I mean, he has been for many years now. He's a, he's a pretty um, vital part of this offense and a key part of these special teams. Yeah, look, for me, I'm going to go with uh, with my team, uh, the New England Patriots. It, it's a special group. Uh, you know, one, one player that certainly stands out to me is Matthew Slater. You know, he's just a player who gets that spot on the on the roster each and every year for his special team's ability, and he's an out-and-out star. He has so many Pro Bowls, uh, so many Super Bowls, and, you know, there's just... Uh, you know, things haven't always been perfect for the Patriots and they, they often need a weird and wonderful moment on special teams to kind of, you know, get a victory in the playoffs or, or sort of get an important win on the road uh, during the regular season. And Matthew Slater, he's been able to produce that time after time. And then he's got his little protege there in Gunnar Oshevsky. Uh Again, he just looks like Matthew 2.0 and he's doing some great things there. Uh, Nick Falker, I won't uh, I won't uh, praise him too much, but you know he's certainly got a bit of a kicking record going at the moment. But at short distance, he's a little, you know a little bit long in the tooth. He's been around for a little while, but certainly doing the job. And uh, Jake Bailey, uh, our punter, he's uh, he's again another quality player. And uh, yeah, I've got a sneaking joke, uh, Cardona, our long snapper, just because uh, we've got to show those long snappers some love as part of this segment. Uh, Alex, uh, talk to us about this one. Special teams can make or break some of these close games that we're seeing at the moment. Um, which one is the best uh, in the NFL at the moment? For me, it's my Bears. And that's mostly led by Cairo Santos, right? When, I think there's been quite a few years where the Bears have lost close games based on kickers so there was like a year there was a couple years where they were like we just need a kicker come on and then Cairo Santos comes in and this guy is 13 for 14 this season he went on like a 20 30 something like field goal you know run which I think is probably one of the the best in, in Bears for kickers you know you've got Pat O'Donnell who's the punter and he's punted for you know over 1600 yards um, and, and then you've got to kind of give props to their punt return, right? So they traded for Jakeem Grant um, when we kind of had Montgomery go out. We needed kind of Khalil Herbert, who was the returner, kind of fill in that spot. So he's been good um, as far as kick return goes. You know, he's you know returned it for over 400 yards. So he's doing well there, and he's kind of one of those top returners in the league as well. So I, I think Chicago secretly has a very good special teams because – Lord knows sometimes we need it with the way our offense and our defense plays. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our amazing listeners, uh, really appreciate your support here at Mojo Sports. And uh, if you did enjoy today's episode, please download the podcast, share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.